0: Welcome to Real Life Rescues, a podcast that's going to go behind the scenes and take an in depth look into the operational and personal accounts of EMS first responders from Israel's largest fully volunteer EMS provider, United At Any
1: volunteers available in Beit Shemesh across from the Noah Ayala trails? Any units available
0: in Tverio near the Kinara for an 11 year old boy holding to the water, possibly drowning? Major 7 is in the water with the boat, backup units in the to another episode. I'm Raphael. I'm Dobby Maisel. And today we're going to talk about thinking fast, acting slow. I know that's not something you hear in EMS very often. We we often want to act quickly. But
1: it can actually be useful to stop and think.
0: Absolutely. And plan out what is it exactly you're going to do. And uh, as always, since this is called Real Life Rescues, I want to talk about a story that happened recently, actually just on Thursday. I was just leaving work and I got an emergency uh, alert to a medical emergency taking place in the platform area of the bus station in Jerusalem. Now, th- to picture this, um, the the bus station in Jerusalem, uh, the buses have the platforms on the third floor up, and it's usually very crowded, uh, and in order to get there, there is an access point. You can either go to the front of the bus station and go through all the crowds, up the escalators, up the elevators, up the stairs, and then get to your patient, or you can drive into the bus station if you're an emergency vehicle, such as I was on the, my ambicycle, and uh, drive the bus in directly to the platform itself. Loop your way up three stories high. Loop the way up on the motorcycle. It takes much faster than cutting through the crowds. The only challenge then is the doors in the bus station only open with people coming out. If you're going in from the bus platform to the inside of the bus station.
1: So all you got to do is wave to the people inside to open the door for you.
0: Ah, but then there's <laughs> another trick. They've added a security measure, which I didn't know about in the bus station where the doors will only open when the bus arrives. So I was lucky. I went to a platform thinking for a second. I stopped. And before I parked my, my AmbiCycle, which I also didn't want to park in a bus platform so that the bus driver would not freak out at me and still be allowed to have his patient, uh, his, his patience, everyone's a patient. <laughs> <laughs> still allowed to have his... Well, they're his sort
1: of patience.
0: Passengers on board. Um, I didn't park in a bus platform that was used. There was a bus platform that had a paved area where no buses were allowed in. And I parked there. Um, and then I went up to the door and the door was actually open. I was able to open the door physically with my hand because there was no security measure on that door. Uh, so it took a second and I stopped and I thought my plan, how do I get inside the bus station? I succeeded. The ambulance behind me was not so lucky. Uh, the ambulance parked in front of a bus platform, it was not able to go into the bus station until that bus arrived. But when that bus arrived, the ambulance was blocking it, and the ambulance finally got in. Uh, with the bed and the the driver and the extra EMT, uh, they got stuck in an area. Where there's there's the sort of like a turnabout where people have to go through this uh, narrow uh, walkway that's set up with metal bars uh, to prevent crowding, and they have to Crude go backwards. Control. There you go. And they have to go backwards through that area in order to arrive at the patient. In the meantime, I was treating the patient together with two other EMTs who were in the bus terminal at the time and received the alert. Of course, they were the closest. They were there first, but I was the first to arrive with medical supplies. We began treating the patient who had uh, fainted and fallen and had a nice contusion on his head and a gash on his nose. I treated the patient, bandaged him up, and got him ready for when the ambulance crew finally made it through the door. They got through the door. We put the ambulance on on the bed, which we had turned to a chair, and... The ambulance driver couldn't get out, and he got very frustrated because there were crowds of people there. So instead of, you know, trying to use the security team that was right next to him and say, can you please clear the crowd for me in a normal, uh, I guess, nice way, mannerful way, a professional, a professional way, way uh, this guy just started screaming at the group of children that was standing away, and then I kid you not, he used the patient. As a battering to ram, ram through the to crowd ram through the crowd. at which point the cat, the crowd scattered and the patient, uh, unfortunately sustained not quite an injury, but banged his knee into the, into the railing. Oh, uh, it's not a good way to do this. And of course the driver's getting very upset. And when we finally gets to that door, lo and behold, there's no bus in that bus platform. So he can't get out. So he had to do this whole thing again in a different bus platform where a bus had shown up and people were trying to get on that bus. And he had to ram through there again and finally got the patient out and then realized it didn't have enough room to get the patient between the bus and the wall. Somebody was not having a good day. He was not having a good day. He came in very, very much a hothead, uh, very aggressive and very antagonistic, I think, to everybody. Um, and it was just in a bad what t- mood. What time was it? Was it exactly the turn of the shift? It was
1: three o'clock in the afternoon.
0: <laughs> there you go. Last call. It was three o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> So yeah, uh, I was there and it was, had he stopped and, and and thought about a plan of approach of how to get the patient out of the terminal, uh, work together with the team that was available to hand and ask some questions, uh, it would have gone a lot smoother and would have gone a lot faster. So when you say think slow, take, take that minute, take that moment to plan, to plan where you're going, even if it's something as simple as when you get the emergency alert. And it's a street you may not know. Now, I know all of us in EMS know all the streets everywhere. We are human maps in our own minds. But sometimes you might not know that street name. And take a moment, before you flick on the lights and sirens, put it into Google Maps, put it into Waze, think about where you're going to be going, and then drive as as you need to. Uh, going back, of course, to the House of God quote, the first pulse you have to check when you get a card. Is your screen. own. Is your own. And... Take a second, think about your plan of approach, and then go out and execute it.
1: I, th- I think that uh, goes on not only for the driving part and getting to the call part, but uh, overall and anything that we do on every call. Um, because, um, well, there are all the regular typical calls you know, you walk in the house, take the patient, leave, all good. But there are those more complicated calls, which if you act too fast, you'll end up um, screwing up your job. Um, not, not, not doing not being as professional as you'd expect. And yes, I know that the factor of that call that you were on, I have no doubt that the driver, the the, the EMT that got the call 10 minutes before the end of his shift definitely affected his uh, his uh, clarity and thinking because all he was thinking about was getting this patient to the hospital and finishing his shift. Um, and, and I always say and we learned over the years that that uh, you go out on that call even if you were screwed with the last minute call, take it easy because you'll end up you'll end up doing the call much better if you think clearly and you know it happens and that's all
0: um, and and you'll give the patient a much better level of treatment which is what they deserve we need, we need to they remember we, know
1: we, when we, your shift is exactly, starting or ending we need to remember that that patient that we get to for them that's their bad moment in life at the moment and and they don't care know or need to know what's going on on your end or what time of date is for you or what number call you are on for them, this is the worst situation. And in general, I think just thinking about uh, making a plan in these calls goes for for any sort of, you know, a, a call that's out of the regular. I can take you back to a call that I had a few years back of a, uh, a uh, crane uh, guy who, um, you know... Operator. Operator. And a, a, a guy who operates a crane up like 30 stories high fell on the top and broke his leg. So obviously call comes in you know teams are on the way ALS unit BLS unit fire department everyone's on the way and we get to the bottom of that building and you see that crane way up high and you're like okay we've got like a million responders here now what and and we got we we got to think together okay who's going to be climbing up those 30 stories to get to that um uh, patient up on up on the crane which is conscious He's lying on the crane literally on top as he was trying to um, work some fix something up there and he fell. He didn't fall off the crane. He fell on top of the crane. So it was it was like getting to the scene in the first few minutes or once we've established that he's conscious and his hemodynamic situation was probably stable. We started um, putting together a plan. Who the teams are that are actually climbing up, making sure that they're they're secured, uh, knowing what they're going into, talking to the other crane operators there in the area, understanding what it means to climb up on such a crane, getting that medic up there, getting the fire department that know how to go up there with the ropes and whatnot, because there will probably be no way to get this person down through that ladder. Um, and 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 it just takes a lot of moving parts. And 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 making a plan here, and, and that's what we did. It, it was long. It took time. We got the paramedics up there from the team. We got the fire department up there. We had cranes, fire department um, ladders that only went up to like the height of the tenth floor, which was like a uh, like a platform of the building that was being built. There was like the tenth floor and then another twenty above that or fifteen. I don't I, I don't remember exactly, but um, so so we got some medics up to the medium middle platform, and from there the rest went by foot. And 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 coordinating and everything and taking it one step at a time, slow and easy, bringing him down by ropes, you know, um, splinting him, putting him on the on the on the backboard on the in the what do you call it like the the stretcher basket, um, the secured stretcher basket, and and lowering him down. It just really took time because um, caution was important, and we didn't want to jeopardize the mission. I mean, it took I don't know whatever it was an hour, hour plus. But at the end we brought him down, stable and from there to the hospital. but it's just really it's one of those calls that everybody rushes and then you stop. It's rush, 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 rush lights, sirens, everything. Now stop and think. And I think that that goes for many, many different calls that we that we approach every single day. We're yeah. in the automatic reply of, okay that we've got that priority one call, flick on the lights and sirens and and floor the gas. Stop, think. Let's make sure we know what we're doing, make a plan for the way, and then make a plan once we get there, see what's in front of us, and make an assessment of the situation.
0: All right. Now, a good way to do that is to talk to your crew, uh, talk to the other people uh, in, in your rig. Uh, if it's us, you we're know, an individual responder, as we do often here in Israel. It's putting it clear in your mind of how you're going to do, what it is you're going to do, start planning out already the treatments in advance of what you're expecting to find when you get there. And then, when you get there and you find something unexpected, throw all that out the window. No, not quite. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely, you make but, a whole great plan, and none of it is realistic once you get to the scene. Um, but this has a lot of factors, and like you said, a lot of a lot of different uh, aspects of our job. Uh, even things like pushing saline, which you know was the old protocol. You find trauma patient, you get there, and you push saline very quickly to you know recover for blood loss. It's not always the best issue, and not the best decision right now. We've understood that it protocols change. Yeah, we've understood that it can it can be harmful in a lot of cases. So don't just rush into things. Stop and think for a minute, and plan out what is we're, what we're going to be doing. I'll, an, I'll, an, another 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 great example of a call like
1: that, I think, is it has nothing to do even with the severity of the call. But we get to the call of this uh, morbidly obese patient weighs I think about four hundred pounds. On the fourth floor of a building without an elevator, and it's like a broken hip or or, or I, I, some back injury or whatnot, and we're 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 like just looking at it and saying, how do we get this patient down the stairwell? Um, that is narrow. This guy, this patient, needs a backboard. We cannot put him on a on a, on a chair. folding chair on a stair mm-hmm. chair, and we're going to need to get him down on the stretcher or on the backboard. And and to move one step at a time, getting enough hands working there, moving the weights around, swinging them up in the air over the the um, banister, the banisters, moving around, maneuvering through that stairwell
0: can take a long time and has to be very well coordinated, taking one step at a time. All right, you actually took the words out of mouth. I was gonna, I was gonna actually talk about a case where this did happen. Uh, just also uh, yesterday for me. Oh wow! Um, where well, I got a call four, four houses down from my apartment. Uh, I got the call middle of the afternoon. Of course, I'm alone with my kids, and my wife is taking a nap. And I tell the kids, "Don't, don't wake up, mom." <laughs> I'm going, I'm going to the call. Don't wake up, mom. Turned out, the, yeah,
1: like they'll listen.
0: Well, they did actually. Turned out the call woke her up, and <laughs> she didn't have the kids to have to bother with it. Um... But yeah, uh, the the call-and-down, I went down, I ran uh, the four buildings, grabbed my medical bag. Uh, we get there, sixth floor, um, and in the sixth floor apartment, there's another staircase that's, of course, uh, an L-shaped staircase, and we get there, the patient wasn't, uh, in this case, morbidly obese, but uh, had fallen, uh, in this case, uh, the patient had, uh, had a number of illnesses, uh, and it wasn't able to uh, stand up terribly well, was walking with a walker, slipped uh, and fell. And this is not the first injury this has happened with. Um, we get there, we're suspecting head trauma, we're suspecting C-spine. Uh, so we, first thing we have to do, we flip them over, of course, holding the head, making sure the neck is stable and we take a look around and we see there's, but by this time, there have been four responders that arrived, all living on the street. We all know each other very well. There's two men, two women, We looked around and then the ambulance came in. It's a very small room. So the two women realizing that, you know, the the male patient might uh, need uh, A to be undressed, uh, stepped out of the room. Uh, The ambulance crew came and joined the two male first responders. And uh, we did a once over, took the vital signs, made sure everything checked out. He was stable. And we decided we were going to transport. And we had to get him down the stairs. And it took a while to get it down the stairs. But the ambulance driver actually said, "Let's, guys, let's, let's stop and think. Who do we need here? How are we going to do this? And let's figure out the best plan of attack. And we did. And it took us a few minutes. Um, patient was stable. It was not a scoop and run situation necessarily. We had the time. And we thought about the best way that it would be Best enable both the first responders to avoid work related injuries, which we also want to do because it's our safety and it's our backs at the end of the day. Uh, and at the same time, what's best for the patient and how to get the patient down those uh, stairs as quickly and as safely as possible. Uh, we built a plan of attack and discussed it with everyone in the room, took advice from everyone in the room, said, This is what we all decided. Let's go do it. And we worked together seamlessly and in a way that was best for the patient. I think. It was a beautiful, uh, I guess, coming full circle for me to seeing co- two completely different styles of approach uh, from first responders. Uh, of course, I definitely agree with the latter approach. Um, and it was something which I think showed the patient an extra level of care. Uh, and that's the end of the day, which we're also working on. Another great
1: call of a, let's run quickly and wait was just the other day there was a call of a MVA of a car that went through a in a parking lot uh, near the beach in uh, Rishon Lezion. Um, ran through one of these construction site walls and was st- and, and and had gone through the wall and was just standing halfway off a ledge. So, everybody arrives. I, I on remember scene. that picture, that was a crazy oh, yeah. call. Everybody arrives at the scene, these two young guys sitting in the driver and passenger seat, not moving front wheels of the car in the air over a drop of about 50 feet, something like that, um, into a construction site. And the car is literally um, teetering teetering, up and down. So basically stage one is just everybody holding on to the back of the car, literally pulling the, 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 the backside wheels, um, pressing some weight on the backside of the car. Mind you, the driver and passenger cannot move. They can't open their doors because those are up in the air. Um, and 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 just waiting and waiting until the fire department shows up and secures a, a security cable to pull the car backwards. It must have been maybe ten minutes. Ten minutes of literally just waiting and patience and telling the guys inside the car, guys, don't move. Barely breathe. <laughs> basically definitely so, don't sneeze yeah yeah Sneezing's right sneezing out. was off limits um and, and, and successfully after 10 10 minutes it took her something like that uh it wasn't even the fire department it was a local tractor pulled up and they literally um, put a cable like a rope not even a cable a rope between the tractor and the back axle of the car to pull it back like um six feet just to pull, all four pull wheels it off the edge off the edge. Yeah, so that's another one of those calls of don't be um, don't rush into the scene. Let's stop and breathe and see what the best plan of action is
0: all right because that can make all the difference in a lot of these cases. Um, and it's something which uh, applies like we said like you're saying to every aspect of the job, both the treatments, the medications we're administering, uh, doing a proper oral history of the patient to see what diseases they have, what might they be suffering, catching any mistakes that might have happened otherwise uh, beforehand. Um, and this thing relates to the story we told last time where the uh, with the the different ambulances where the the paramedic missed the fact that the car accident victim who looked stable was actually the one who was most critical having suffered a, a cardiac arrest in the car. Uh, and that was um, th- those are different ways and different aspects where this can really come into play, I think, in in all the things that we do in our job. Okay, so we've talked a lot about you know thinking fast and acting slow in order to get the job done. But, of course, to every rule, as we know, especially exception, especially in EMS, where speed is definitely of the essence in a lot of cases. Now, I'll give you an example also from, from Thursday, uh, where we had a volunteer who received, he was in the middle of a Zoom lesson, he's teaching students, uh, 400 clinical students, um, a session, and he's in the middle of the session, and he gets the alert that right down the street from his house, uh, where he's teaching the session, is a case of anaphylaxis. That was a, a sort of a stop everything what you're doing and run. and he rushed over to the situation to this scene, found the woman sitting amongst a bunch of her neighbors, uh, full on anaphylaxis. Uh, there's hives, tongue swollen, you know throat closing up, struggling to breathe or even get a word out. He didn't think even a minute he pulled an epi pen out of his bag, jabbed her in the thigh, and suddenly of course, the symptoms start going back down. Uh, Ten minutes later, when the ambulance shows up, she was relatively stable. Of course, she doesn't need to go to the hospital, figure out what caused it, get further up treatment. But that was an instance where, you know, you don't need to think too much to plan your strategy. Uh, you go, you do, and uh, succeed at saving that life. And then, of
1: course, um, there's there, there are those other calls that, that, for example, this was, I think, a week ago, week and a half ago. There was an MVA on route number one, which is the highway between Jerusalem and Tel Aviv. Um, A driver um, smashed into a bus on the shoulder of the road, tramping him in. Um, And the paramedic and EMT that happened to be literally a few cars down pull up immediately, um, assess the situation. He's trapped by the knees, Um, clear, uh, clear, uh, massive destruction of the car. Um, so, so a lot of forces on the, on the patient's body. Um, and they're looking at, they're assessing the GCS of the patient, watching him deteriorate while waiting for extrication and, and then making a, a, a decision to, uh, pull this patient out, forget the C-spine, you know, well, secure it as best as you can, but otherwise let's get this person out of the car, tear the car apart as best they can just to get this patient out intubated and, and starting CPR on him, um, in these situations, once again you wait and think but when you see that the situation is is deteriorating you kick in and you do what needs to be done as fast as possible and then uh, and and then they were able to well sort of stabilize him and and transport him to the trauma unit Uh, when the ambulance
0: showed up about 10 or 15 minutes later. Right. And for those of you who are listening, if there are some of you who are listening who do not know what GCS is. Glasgow Coma Scale. I was just about to say that. (laughs) Um, Which is the clinical scale used to reliably measure a person's level of consciousness after sustaining usually a head injury, but it's kind of used across the board. Severe trauma uh, in a lot of those cases. Um, So in that case, yeah, you have to... You know, maybe stop, take a plan, and then change the plan as it happens uh, based on what's happening in the field, as we see. Um, I'll talk about another story where plans got changed in the middle of the field. Even last night, there was a, a motor vehicle accident on, on Highway 60, uh, which cuts through uh Judea and Samaria. Uh, this was uh, the northern side, um, and it was near a town called Ganeshomron. Uh, it was a car, car accident. Uh, the velocity of the two cars was uh, very... Very swift, based on uh, uh, the damage to both uh, both cars, and there were three people injured in the cars, two in one, one in the other. Uh, the different uh, first responders who arrived treated all three people, got them out of the vehicles, sent them on ambulances on the way. And someone had the uh, forethought or the, the presence of mind to uh, do a do a sweep afterwards. They found the three people in the cars. Do a sweep of the area afterwards, and they stopped for a second and thought maybe maybe it's check out the whole area. Maybe someone was thrown from the vehicle, maybe something else. And they realized in the back of one of the vehicles, the more severely damaged, uh, the back one of the vehicles, there was a dog. Uh, it's, it's a work dog and, or service dog. A lot of people would, would refer to it as, uh, and this dog was a big in, German shepherd or a big something. Big German <laughs> shepherd. Uh, and it was, it was a dog where, uh, it, it had been in, in service for quite a while. And, uh, The first responders said, we're going to make an effort to to try and treat the dog. They pulled the dog out of the car. Uh, It took them a while to extricate the dog. Once they succeeded, they pulled the dog out of the car and found the dog was unconscious, no pulse, no breathing. They tried to resuscitate it and spent, I kid you not, 30 minutes working on this dog uh, to resuscitate it, um, providing uh, intravenous lines, providing oxygen, compressions. Intubated the dog. The paramedic was at the scene, intubated the dog. Uh, and all an attempt to, to resuscitate the, the dog, um, just to pay their respects for, for the dog and, and the service that it provided. Um, and, and yeah, an effort to save its life. And it, it, ta- it takes a second to stop and say, wait, we've seen all the people in the car. Maybe there's someone in the back. Maybe there's an infant. Maybe someone was thrown from the vehicles. Let's take a second to reassess, even after the lights and sirens, do a search around and look and see if anyone else needs our help.
1: And then going that extra mile.
0: To help those who help us. Well, going the extra mile is kind of what we do. Yep. But uh, we have to remember, sometimes when we're going the extra mile, don't go so fast. Go fast, but not too fast. And stop and think. And stop and think. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, guys. See you next time.